You know, guys, after watching this movie, I really wanted to live in the Spider-Man universe. You know, I had to wear braces for two and a half years. Uh-huh. But then, you know, the only thing you actually need, apparently, is electric eels. You know, the eels shock you and it'll uh-huh. fix your teeth yeah. immediately. <laughs> I don't know why people haven't looked into um, electro dentistry after this movie, to be exactly, quite honest man. with you. You know, I think... I think it would have been a great idea. I don't, I don't yeah. know why why scientists are not using electromagnetic fields to realign teeth in people's mouths. <laughs> and on that note, cue the music. Welcome to Pop Culture Quintessentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros. I am one third of Cube. I am being joined in the room by Jacobo Kiros. Um, yeah, the youngest of the Kiros clan. And then over Zoom, once again, from Nashville, Tennessee, we have... Weighed at 200 potential pounds, but he doesn't know because he hasn't weighed himself since August. It's your boy, JQ. Let's go, baby. <laughs> All right, boys. Today's episode is going to be The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think we have the most to say about this one out of any My movie so far. Movie. This is- this is about to be a long-ass episode, and I'm not looking forward to it. I'm excited. We'll see if it reaches the length of the last one. I apologize for that as well. Uh, I whoever... do not apologize for that. <laughs> well, that shows the differences in our personalities right there. Yeah, that right. shows that uh, Ruben is the one that does the editing. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. Clearly, clearly. So, one new story to talk about here at the beginning of the show. Um, we got the first look at... Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Part and one. Part one was the biggest reveal of the entire thing. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Top two uh, movies of all time. It might be my favorite. We Sec- second see. behind Amazing Spider-Man 2, obviously. I mean, clearly. Clearly, <laughs> clearly right? Clearly. Um, now, if anyone's <laughs> curious, it's actually The Dark Knight. Dark, this and The Dark Knight are pretty close. I am obviously a superhero movie fanboy. Um, but I couldn't, though. This movie, um, the sequel looks like it's capturing all of the visual nuance that really made the first one pop, but in a different way, because this time it's the different characters going through the multiverse. So I guess that's the new angle they have here. And I like that this one appears to be uh, led by Miles and Gwen. Um, I felt like the good first one did a good job of handing the baton to Miles from Peter B. Parker um, to Miles. So... Yeah, I'm hoping, what's, that, what's everyone's thoughts on this? I'm hoping we get to see maybe just a glimpse of a few of the old characters, but I'm very excited to see uh, what new characters we see here. I hope they kind of um, go ahead and kind of like give us cameos from different uh, lines of Spider-Man comic books. Like I want to see, I want to see a little bit of Clone Saga. You know what? Not like actual storyline, but give me. I want to see Ben Riley. What's wrong with wanting to see Ben Riley? Ben Riley, I'm cool with. I don't want to see the Clone Saga. Oh no, no, no! I'm not saying adapt it. I mean, give us like cameos of that. You know, you don't have to do a full adaption, but we the sky's the limit here. You know, like Silk Spider or 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 Spider Woman. Like we can really kind of like stretch our muscles here, man. Spider Man from the Japanese TV show from the late 1970s or 80s. You see, you see, you joke, but I hear that's like an actual thing they've thought about doing. And just to assuage any fears, I think Jake Johnson has said he does have a role in this movie. I think it oh might be God. smaller, 
But uh, he is coming back for this. If they kill Peter B. Parker, I riot. They will not. (laughs) Jacob, what are your thoughts on this first look that Uh, we got at Spider-Verse 2? I am very excited. You know, um, definitely think the first movie was uh, probably the best, if, if, yeah, the best Spider-Man movie um, to come out. Uh, I know that's probably, you know, debatable, but... I, I honestly think it's really good, <laughs> and I'm excited to see what they do next. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of crazy that they're doing two parts. I wasn't expecting that. So yeah, apparently um, they were working on it as just one movie, but it got so big they like cut it down the middle and made it just two different movies. Yeah, I trust sense. them though. They earned a lot of goodwill from me after that first movie. So. Yeah. Even if it's like an 8 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10, I would be completely satisfied. And if it reaches the heights of that first one, we are going to have a completely different conversation about best trilogies of all time at that point. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, yeah, I, I'd say the original Spider-Verse. I don't know if I'd say top two, but it's in the top five for me of movies of all time. I'm, of course, also kind of a superhero nerd when it comes to that, but I, I don't know. Some other some other cinema has started working its way up there for me. But yeah, Spider-Verse is definitely like one of those movies that I'm very excited to see. Uh, unlike what Jacob said, I don't think it's debatable <laughs> to say that this is the best Spider-Man movie we've gotten. Um, one of the best like like modern representations of the web crawler that we've had. The wall crawler, sorry. The wall crawler that we've had in modern media like this. It's exciting. This is an exciting thing to see. And like Ruben said, I'm really hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping this is, a, this is at least approaching like the heights of the first one. Do I think it's going to be better than the first one or even reach what the first one was? Difficult. That's, that's a steep a, climb. That's, that's a, that is more than 90 degrees of a climb right <laughs> there. That wall is facing outward. All right. That's yeah. A difficult height uh, I 100% agree. So we're going to talk about the amazing Spider-Man 2 today, ladies and gents. Um, And, you know, to talk about initial thoughts here, I think the highs of this movie are better than any of the highs in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. And then I also think the action was upped a bit. Like, I also enjoyed that aspect of the movie. Now, do I think the action had meaning behind it? Same issue as the last movie. I don't think they built up the meaning in that action. And then the score, I also found it a bit better, just given those initial thoughts and seeing what you both think about that stuff. Jacob? Uh, I definitely think the action um, was upped in this movie. The effects were better in this movie. The suit was better in this movie. (laughs) There were so many improvements, but there was also a lot of, you know, visually this movie is pleasing. I will say that. Um, but the pacing, plot, lots of issues, too, too much going on, um, overall. So that's my, I think we can all agree. It is the best live action Spider-Man suit that we've gotten though. Yeah. For me, it's this or the one from Far From Home, but this one, clearly, I think. Far Far From Home is a really good one. What I, what I noticed in this one though, is even though it's the best comic book, uh, not comic book, I'm sorry, best Spider-Man costume we've gotten so far, it's not in the movie all that much. Guys, there is a lot of pacing issues in this movie. There are colossal, like, movie-breaking, plot-destroying mistakes made along the way in this movie. It's baffling. I think Raimi 3, when we talked about that, the big problem with Raimi 3 is they tried to do too much. 
Here, the problem is they half-baked these storylines. Yeah. You know, like, they don't really get the resolution they deserve. None of them do. None of them. They're all horribly wasted. And by the end of today's episode, maybe we'll talk about ways that uh, we could mayhaps improve upon some of these plot points or uh, fix this movie. Because yeah. Ruben and I, and Ruben, Jacob, and I all have some very strong opinions about this movie. Uh, Ruben just gave me a little kind of head joss lesson. Uh, as to say that I probably have the strongest opinions on this, but you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I'm get, I'm pulling all of us into this. All right, this is a team <laughs> effort. This is not called Q. It's cubed. All right, that's three people. <laughs> there we go. All right. So diving into the movie, we first open with a continuation of the Peter's parent story. We open with Richard Parker uh, killing the spiders, and then recording a final video uh, that we don't know who it's for at this point. Um, and then they eventually get on a plane. The plane crashes, and that's the end of the opening. For me, this was a really, how do I say? It didn't fit for a Spider-Man movie. It just felt like something completely different. It felt like Diet James Bond. Yeah. Or, yeah, something... It wasn't Spider-Man, honestly. Uh, like a a bad spy movie. Yeah. Like, not not an actual good James Bond movie, but a bad spy movie with really weak action. Um, and the stakes were really low in this fight that uh, Peter's dad has with the assassin that uh, Oscorp has sent to kill him. Jonathan, you look ra- raring to go off, so I'll let you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have to hold back that for a second. <clears throat> Let me try to compose myself. I freaking hate this intro. Okay? 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 No, 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 Diet James Bond, man. This is like Austin Powers level shit. And it's not intentional. Austin <laughs> okay, Powers no, no, no. is funny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I said not intentional. Look, again, I'm going to emphasize, and I'm sorry for our listeners for that sudden scream, all right? I'm a, let me take a step back from the mic here for a second. But for real, the, uh, Peter's parents ruin these movies. I don't care what Ruben or Jacob said. There is not a way to salvage Peter's parents in these movies. Get rid of them. They're bad. They ruin every good plot line in this movie. They're the main, they're the crux of the problem of this movie, all right? And, like, the same goddamn scene, no less. We start with the exact same scene. And then I'd like to I'd like to point out one thing. I find it hilarious that two of the worst scenes in this movie for me heavily involve planes potentially crashing. All right? <laughs> All right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got Ruben started. Yeah. Y'all couldn't see it. That is a, that's a teaser. That is an ultimate teaser. That's going to be the ultimate rant that I have for this yeah. movie. There's so many... This The scene is dumb. There's that moment where they're fighting for the computer and yeah. they hold it in a perfect way so that Sony bio gets shown at the screen. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. <laughs> the dude kills the pilot, walks out with his hand still bloodied. Worst freaking assassin ever, alright? Yes. Uh, Doesn't he like try washing his hands off? I don't remember. Yeah, he does, yeah. Like, he tries washing them off, but he doesn't like try- it's like, dude, what the hell? You you're messy. You're a messy you're you're yeah. bad at your job, and that's why you die in this, okay? Also, th- 
I'm not going to be the first person to mention this, but the convenience that the pilot, the dead pilot, didn't lean over on the controls until a good seven minutes into yeah. the fight. That's so dumb. Yeah. Dumb. The way his body flops as well, I almost laughed. Like, I, it got like a... A chortle out of me. This is gonna be, oh no, that's my word. This is gonna get. This is gonna be a deep cut. I don't know if you guys remember the beginning of the the, the movie The Pacifier with Vin Diesel, but that's is that one scene where he walks up to the to the ship at the very beginning. He's like, "All right, we're ready to go," and the pilot literally just droops over dead. That's what this reminded me of. That's a deep cut. That's a no deep one's cut. going up. to get that cut. Look man. it up. I know right. Rachel will. Rachel will. My, my, <laughs> that's what she watched that movie a lot as a kid. Shout out, Rachel. Love you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after this terrible opening scene, we get probably one of the best Spider-Man sequences in any of these live-action movies. Oh, yeah. What a you open what a, with what a juxtaposition. <laughs> you open with a shot of the logo of Spider-Man, and it slowly. It moves away, and then it reveals that it is Spider-Man diving out of the sky. Great opening shot there after the cold open. I love it. I have a poster of it in my room. Um, It's a great shot. The rippling effect on the suit. Oh, amazing. Listen, I'm not a VFX artist. That's... Look, and then, I, I, I try to put my fingers in a bunch of different pots when it comes to being a creative. I will never touch VFX, all right? That looks <laughs> so difficult. But, like, I, I, we, we got to talk about the, like, the mark, the, like, the, the noticeable improvement between the first movie CG and this movie CG. And the first movie CG wasn't bad. Was, was, I thought it was good. No, it was good. But, like, the the attention to detail on the way that the suit ripples in the wind, on the, the way that Spider-Man, again, interacts with his environment while swinging, like, all of that comes together to, to like, and the, the Hans Zimmer score, I again... Oh, really good. Again, again, when it comes to the score, we'll talk about this a bit later, I, I like this better than the James Horner score, but I think it has the same problem in that it is not utilized to its fullest potential. Uh, which I, you could say about a lot of things in this movie. But in this moment, when we first see him like jumping out of the sky and we see the logo and it starts to ripple, that should have been the opening of the movie. That is yeah. such a powerful and like and like heart-stopping moment. It is so cool. And I remember oh, watching you, um, this. Yeah. Can you imagine this? opening night? It goes from the Sony logo, black, and it opens like this instead of the parent sequence. Dude, it would have been amazing. Goosebumps, one of the best comic book movie openings yeah. ever, probably. I still had Goosebumps in 2014 when I first watched it. I was like, okay, weird first scene. And then Spider-Man, and I was like, yo, this is what I came here yeah. for. This, yeah. is why, this is why I bought, this is why I forced my dad to buy 14-year-old me the ticket. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the swinging sequence we get with Spider-Man I mean, just incredible. I don't know what other words we can use. Spectacular, amazing, ultimate. You know, all the Spider-Man words. (laughs) All the the Spider-Man terms. But they really captured the acrobatic nature of Spider-Man. And this is exactly how I imagine him to, like, he'd be moving if it was an actual person who had these powers swinging through New York City. You know know what else we captured? Uh, The acrobatic range of Pablo Giamatti. 
You know what I mean, baby? The no. acting range on this man. What? The acting oh, man. Range. So Paul Giamatti, to get to him, so so here's the first <laughs> ne- negative of that ruins this scene. Character villain. It, it does not work. It's a Raimi, it's a Raimi villain in this universe, basically. Like they haven't built the tone where this type of villain will work. It's like over the top Russian. Yeah. They're stealing epic plutonium. (laughs) Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I always come in to this podcast with a controversial opinion of the movie that we've watched. No, no, no. no. I don't think Paul G works in this movie. No, no, no. I myself myself told Ruben that bit about the Raimi movies where it feels like he belongs in a Raimi movie. But, like, I don't know. It's just so fun to see Paul having so much fun on screen. <laughs> goof and it, it comes out of nowhere. This man speaking like uh, like broken, perfect Russian before just laughing as an introduction. Like, dude, it's, it's, it's like it's like one of the few things in this movie where I'd say it's like so bad it's good. Like, it's yeah. not like a bad where it's like, oh, there could have been something great here and it's ruined. It's a bad where it's like, this is absolutely hilarious and to be honest as an opening villain it might have worked with the uh, right movie to follow. Uh, as, a, as a cold open i think it could have worked i yeah. think yeah the parent crap that you can chop that out of the beginning of the movie and the movie would honestly not be that different yeah yeah at all i honestly even the scene later on in the train i think it would still work in a movie that did not have that opening scene now i don't like what they do in that scene in the train but I'm just saying, like, structurally, this movie did not need that opening sequence. If they wanted to go in that direction, I think is what Ruben's trying to say, these things very much clash, and I yeah. wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> okay, so another issue I have with this scene is, and a lot of people have mentioned this, but when Spider-Man is talking to the <laughs> rhino, it is quintessential Spider-Man with the quips and how he, like, is interacting with rhino. But as people have pointed out, it kind of seems out of place because this is a high-speed chase and Spider-Man's just standing there talking to him on a fast-moving vehicle instead of trying to stop it. He had every opportunity to stop him from continuing. Like, look, this is something Spider-Man would do in, like, a lower-stake situation. Yeah, absolutely. There are a myriad of car crashes that happened over the course of this that could have been prevented if Spider-Man would have just yeah, out of the web to the break or something. Right? The entire time. Not only that, but he has enough time to like sit on the like the roof of his car and then like hang his head and his legs <laughs> over the window and then like hang his head over the same window. Like, that, that shot looks so fake. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's that one moment um getting into Max Dillon's intro yeah. where like because Max almost gets hit by a taxi that's flying in the air. There is definitely somebody in that taxi. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought about I, this, too. Someone had to die there, right? Someone when that, yeah. when that, when that, oh, yeah. I love how Spider-Man... And Spider-Man's all chill about me. Spider-Man took the, uh, took the opportunity to become all buddy-buddy with Max while somebody was probably burning to death under the rubble. It's like, hey, you're my eyes and ears out there. Although... Some really, uh, some other really cool Spider-Man moments from this opening. The thwip noise that you hear, I think, in a couple of the shots while he's swinging, you actually hear the web shooter go, yeah, yeah, that's a cool, 
which was we didn't talk about we didn't talk about this in the first movie there i think the sound design's kind of cool here and there in this movie i like the 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 spider sense like sound effect that they created for this movie i like a lot of kind of the lizard sound effects in the first movie i like electros uh other than i don't know the voice is strange but like the electrical effects and like the sound that you get from those is really cool too like the sound department wasn't like fooling around. I'm obviously not an expert in this kind of thing. I'm an expert in sound, but musical sound. You know, this isn't my department. <laughs> and then the other thing I really liked was as Spider-Man was swinging by um, the pedestrians saying hi to him, and then he goes, "Hello, pedestrians." Yeah. Which that, the loudest, that... the loudest New York pedestrian ever. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. No. I like it so nice. I like his relationship with uh, the New Yorkers throughout this movie. Um, obviously, there are a few moments where I'm like, okay, again, we're getting a situation where it's like him talking with the rhino while he's in the car. We have a situation where it's like, oh, it's nice to see him being all buddy buddy here. But uh, multiple people are dying, and we do not have time for this. I think <laughs> kind of this comes down to the writing. The writing for the dialogue, obviously, on point for Spider Man, but the writing for when he's doing this stuff and how the scenes are structured makes it all seem very dumb. So it almost seems like someone else wrote the dialogue after they had the movie built. I did not know this for sure, but I am assuming things here, but that's how it comes across. I mean, with the Sony, the Sony leaks and everything that happened, like who's to say what really went down with this movie? Um, Jacob, did you have anything else to add about this scene or? The the first scene, like of just like Spider Man swinging through the city and like stopping the rhino, and stuff yeah, like that. yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, before we t- start touching touching up on Gwen's speech, I think it's hilarious how they how he stops the rhino, <laughs> like he just ties him up, you know what I mean? Pulls down yeah. his freaking pants and then like the gun falls on his head, like that's, that's oh, funny. and he's also whistling the Spider Man theme. Yeah, yeah. They use it two times within the first fifteen minutes here. He's whistling it when he's capturing the rhino, and then the ringtone had it as well yeah. when yeah. Gwen called him. Um, How do you have you guys tried to whistle in a mask? That shit is impossible. I can't <laughs> whistle, and you know that, Jonathan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ruben. I actually forgot about that. That's no, you didn't. no, you Jacob. didn't. Jacob. Have you ever tried to <laughs> a mask? That shit is impossible. There we go. Um, speaking of quips, right before we move ahead, mm-hmm. I do like the moment where he's in the back of the van trying to grab all the plutonium, and he's kind of like, oh, come on, come on. I, I really like that. That was very Spider-Man-like. Um, there was a Blues Brothers-esque shot in this. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Ruben. But when all the police cars ram into the back of the, the rider's vehicle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like the ending of Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't think of I that. S- I still have to watch that movie. We should make an episode about that at some, point, baby. at some point, maybe. Uh, you know they recorded this chase sequence, at least chunks of it, in one of our old stopping grounds, Rochester, New York. Dang. Damn. This opening chase. Yeah. I think that even that shot of all the cop cars hitting each other was recorded in Rochester, New York. So shout out Rochester. I lived there from the years of one until two. And Jacob lived there from the years of negative three until negative two. My man was not in the picture yet. Definitely not. All right. So moving on. Um the well, you know, just like Toby Maguire's Spider-Man, it seems like the creators of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man did not like him in high school much. Because he is graduating here. He has no scenes in high school. They are graduating here. But we get Gwen's speech here at the beginning of the movie as well. Juxtaposed with this initial Spider-Man chase sequence. 
Which is a nice moment when you stop in the bus and we hear Greg kind of talking about how everyone has like a limited amount of time to do what they what they want to do in life when we see Peter being Spider-Man. I really like that. Yeah. Um, Peter would not have been late to that graduation if he would have stopped the Rhino when he uh, when he had the chance. By the way, like if he would have stopped the Rhino, oh, he was like quipping with him at the beginning. Yeah, uh, if he would have stopped right there, he would have been able to hear that speech live, man. Exactly. And what a powerful speech it was! You know, so powerful we hear it twice, but not exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> yes, that is true. All right, we get the Stan Lee cameo here as well yeah. when Peter arrives at graduation with the mask on still. I like that. And he I, like goes, that I think movie. I knew that guy. Which, not the strongest of the Stan Lee cameos in these Spider-Man movies, oh. but... Rest in peace, Stan. We yeah, rest in peace, Stan. But I think it was a really funny scene yeah. that really helped sell the tone of this movie in general. Yeah. yeah. Because I think the movie's tonally consistent. As opposed for to the, the last... Part. For the most part. As opposed to the last one where it felt like there was two different movies going yeah. on. It felt like a Batman Begins thing also mixed in with like a typical Spider-Man movie. Yeah. It's totally consistent. But given that that tone is a stupid ass tone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the next big gripe I have with this movie. So, so, so you get Gwen and Peter and clearly they've been dating for a while, but Peter's getting these flashes of Captain Stacy. His spider sense. His spider sense allows him to see ghost fantasmas. <laughs> Obviously. So you get Actions. He, he yeah. appears in the cop car during the car chase, and then he sees him standing next to his family at the graduation. This causes Peter to feel immense guilt, and Gwen and Peter end up breaking up. Again. Again. My issue here is they should not have been together at the start of this movie. That is my argument. My, um, uh, yeah, we're gonna, again, by the end, we're gonna talk a lot about this. Yeah. My argument I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a bit ambiguous at the moment. But either, either you have two choices here. Either they break up in the first movie and they aren't together at the beginning of the second, or they stay together in the first. Like Peter ignores Captain Stacy's advice, and they are still together here, and we have them together just like throughout this movie. That's what I'd say. One of those two. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. It feels Marie like Antoinette. It feels like character regression because Peter dealt with this at the end of the first movie. Yeah. And then he's, I get that in real life, probably you'd be dealing with this type of thing continuously, but within the confines of this film, it feels like you're threading the same ground and you don't want to do that as a filmmaker. But this is in real life. It feels Hollywood, baby. (laughs) It feels repetitive. And you know, it just feels completely dissatisfying the way they did it. Yeah. I think they did it the, in like the first 20 minutes of this movie. One of the big issues with these two movies, it, it's like they didn't want to have a sad ending for either of them. And we'll get to that. But I feel like ending the movie with Peter not together with Gwen would have been powerful there. And then jumping ahead to the end of this one, I think it would have been powerful if they ended it without him becoming Spider Man again. again. Yeah. Spoilers for a, a movie that we are reviewing currently that is also, uh, you know, the better part of a decade old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Jacob, any thoughts on this initial breakup sequence? Um, not really, honestly. Uh, I don't really have much to say here. Um, I love how they got rid of uh, uh, 
Peter Parker's kind of like skateboarding habits, but he still ran a Thrasher shirt. That's my guy. Yeah. That's my dude. Yeah. That man skates. <laughs> now, I should mention the actual breakup scene itself works. Yeah. But again, that's a testament to Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone and the immense prowess of their acting abilities. Thank you for bringing this up, Ruben, because mm-hmm. there are several moments in this movie and in the first movie that are fantastic in isolation, but which put back into the context of the movie do not work. Yes. 100%. I'm gonna let that I'm gonna let that simmer. I'm gonna let that <laughs> marinate. Because we're gonna get back to that. Put a pin in that. Alright. All right. Move it on. <laughs> After this you get one of this movie's best scenes. It's the montage of Spider-Man going around the city. I love it. Helping people, saving people. Um you know, the swinging here, again, really good. There's the moment with the kid who signs Project, the bullies break, and then it's Spider-Man true. jumps down, <laughs> and the bullies run away, and he fixes it. This scene with the kid works really well during this montage. I don't like what they set up with this scene at the end of the movie, but I think the scene in conjunction is a real, it's something that you would have seen out of a Spider-Man comic in the 60s or the 70s. Even in modern day, in yeah. modern day, it feels like something out of even PS4 Spider-Man to me. Like I love that moment in isolation. I think it should have been its own little moment. It reminds me of that one, uh, like Easter egg in the in the PS4 Spider-Man, where it's like you find this this picture that a kid drew Peter because he like saved the kid's balloon. It's like one of those things. that's like ah yes friendly neighborhood spider-man like the way that he interacts with the with the with the kid with the new yorkers in this movie it's just touching you get moments like this where like for a minute you're like yo that's spider-man we are seeing spider-man that's why andrew is probably i at least in my opinion this is the guy who could have done the most with the role but who wasn't given enough um other great moments oh sorry Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, other great moments within the montage. Yes. Which. Um, uh, I, I like that. Um, I <laughs> I love that taxpayer line. I'm sorry. That dude is kind of right. Again, <laughs> again I got to agree with the people lambasting Spider-Man in these movies. I don't know like, if you noticed, but uh, Max Dillon is one of the callers that calls into the radio show that's playing over this montage. Which yeah, I, I noticed that. That was pretty quite good. I don't know, character continuity, yeah. I guess, or yeah. keeping yeah. that character involved so the audience is remembering him throughout these initial scenes. I wish um, I would have snuck JK's voice into that. That would have been amazing. Scene. That would have been get, really good. You do get Jameson through email after the montage. <laughs> Whack. Uh, where he's like, Whack. I think, it's Peter types, I think uh, you should treat Spider-Man more fairly. And he just says, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> It's JK. Imagine JK saying that now, you know? Yeah. And then really, they kind of like halfway engage with this bugle storyline throughout this movie and halfway oh, don't. They, There's too much the, going on. It's <laughs> there at the very beginning and then they bring it out in one of my least favorite scenes of the entire movie. I think it was a moment in the notes where I'm like, okay, this thing is falling apart. Again, we'll get to that. Yeah, um, stop jumping ahead, JQ. I'm sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, another great moment in this scene. Uh, Peter in the pharmacy. Yes! He's sick. <laughs> he sees someone robbing it. He sighs, puts on the mask, <laughs> and then stops the robber. Yeah. And then, I love that. 
he goes, I am spider bad. I'm spider bad. <laughs> Which, you know, in a post pandemic world, you know, at least Spider Man was wearing a mask. I respect Oh, <laughs> here we go. Oh, <laughs> I bet you would spend 10 minutes writing that joke, put yeah, a little period and a star next to it. It was like, I'm proud of this one. And he should do much that was a good one. All right. Anything <laughs> I'm missing out of the montage here? Um, no, that's about it. I'd say right after this, that, okay. This is right after this, Ruben. Yeah. If I, if I, if I may take. If I may take the wheel for just one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. If I may take it. the proverbial USB steering wheel. Um, <laughs> I love, love, love Aunt May and Peter's, like, dynamics in these movies. And it's an absolute goddamn shame that it's so underutilized. Because I really love... I really love the, the, the conversation they the conversations they have throughout like right here, like for example, oh oh what you two don't like it? I saw that face. No, but um um like I like how Peter's in the room and Aunt May knocks the door and he's like struggling to take the suit off and his face is all dirty and Aunt May's like what what what, what the hell happened to your face? And it's like oh, I was cleaning our chimney. It's like we don't have a chimney. <laughs> What? <laughs> I, I don't know. I like that dynamic. It feels like a very good Peter Aunt May dynamic. I know Ruben was talking about like the entire kind of idea of Aunt May maybe knowing that he's Spider-Man in the first movie. So I know he maybe has a few opinions on this relationship. So I'll pass it over to him. I think the relationship's really good. But like I said, I feel like she did know. I, I don't have an issue with them not going in that direction. But I feel like in the first movie, you're hinting that she knows. Um, and you don't follow with that in this movie. That's a minor yeah. issue, though. These scenes work great, especially the next scene afterwards where he's trying to do the laundry. <laughs> and they get into this entire debate about like the laundry and how Peter changed all the whites into blue and red. After the last time he was, he was watching the, the American spine. flag. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Such a great like, dude, I don't know. It's just, I love that dynamic. And then May just disappears. This entire, yeah. she's like ripped out of the movie after this moment. Yeah. Now we got 15 other things to introduce. And it's yeah, like, and she's doing nurse stuff, but that's not an important part of the plot ever. <sighs> but she's hiding it from Peter, apparently, for whatever reason. Peter never, does Peter ever react to that? He never does. They like I said, what, what this movie is, is incomplete storylines for the most part. Oh there's, a, there's like one or two. That they do complete, but yeah. for the most part, it's incomplete. You want to know why? It comes right back to the parents. Because I remember in that first scene, I wrote, man, I love this scene. God damn it, the suitcase. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> what the, I'm tired. I hate it, Ruben. <laughs> I cannot express to you how much I hate the parents' plot lines in these movies. Yeah. All right. You get an electro scene after this. <laughs> Where he is, I don't know. I, I don't know about the direction they took Electro. Ruben, Jamie Ruben. Fox is a great actor. Wait but the stuff. Yes. Yeah. Is and I hope we get that rectified next week uh, with No Way Home. But yeah, he's just, he's a little too over the top. Um, yeah, especially that scene where like, uh, it's his birthday or whatever. And he's mm. at his house and he's like talking to himself in the mirror. He's like like acting as a, if like he's spider-man and all that stuff he's having that oh, spider-man made his yeah, cake. yeah spider-man made his cake he's like thank you spider-man 
Thank you for making my cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's gonna be a great day. And then he like freaking gets zapped in the freaking <laughs> comes Electro. You know, gets oh, bullied really? really by is... BJ Novak from The Office. Yeah. Like, Jesus yes, Christ. but before we get to BJ Novak, the end of the scene in his apartment, it ends with the power going out, which I'm like, this is too on the nose <laughs> about what's gonna happen to this man. But yeah, then he gets to his yeah. Tell him what Feige said about this thing. I don't remember, honestly. You don't remember? What is it? Yeah, I don't remember. Okay, well, I guess it's up to to JQ to bring in some outside trivia. Oh, my God. Yo, dust off the the almanac killer. You know, when you're in grad school (laughs) and you have a lot of stuff to study and remember, you kind of push some of these superfluous hacks out of your head, man. Okay, is that a jab at me being a music student? No, that's a jab at me having... More studying and reading to do than you right now. But okay. anyway, give us the uh, facts. So, so, um, I don't know how much I remember about other areas that Feige talked about. Yeah, I, I don't remember. remember. I remember what other areas. So, but essentially, so for our listeners, real quick, what we're referring to is one of the leaked Sony emails was Kevin Feige giving notes for this movie um, to Amy Pascal and potential changes they can make to it. Yeah. So one of those potential changes was Feige commenting about this scene, and I believe he said something, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, of course, that uh, this, scene, this scene makes Electro completely unrelatable. He looks like a weirdo. He is a freak. How can the audience connect to a guy who's literally talking to himself? He's it's like, there's no humanity. There's a, this is a nothing character. There's no humanity there. Yeah. Any semblance of humanity you could have instilled is absolutely destroyed by the fact that this you know, is You know Feige was probably pissed about this because I think in subsequent interviews he has said that Electro in Jamie Foxx's casting is one of the best he's seen. I'm paraphrasing, but... Um, in, it's Jamie, in, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx Fox needs more work in Hollywood, yeah. I, I think. Like... Dude, I haven't seen Ray. I hear that's a career-defining performance. That's a movie about uh, the blind artist Ray Charles, by the way, uh, fellow listeners. And then, if you guys have seen Django Unchained, my literally my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, like, Jamie Foxx is phenomenal, phenomenal in that. Even against actors like Leonardo DiCaprio and Christoph Waltz, my man is holding his own. Yeah. And, like... Just creating this amazing character, bringing him to life, and we are wasting this man on. It's my birthday. Oh, Spider Man! You made me a cake. Oh. All right. So as Jacob said, <laughs> as Jacob said, BJ Novak also shows up in this Max Dillon storyline for a couple scenes. He's uh he plays Smythe. Um, in the comics, his character is the one who makes the Spider Slayer. Um. Yeah, so this what? character, yeah, this character is probably being set up for something else down the line in this, this franchise. The Spider Slayer. <laughs> Were you gonna say something about BJ Novak? Uh, we interrupted uh, you earlier. I was, I was gonna say that um, the 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 daydream thing <laughs> that happens is so freaking stupid. Like, can we talk about that shit? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Holy, like this man is just looking at freaking BJ Novak. BJ Novak's like telling him to go to this, like, what, like to this room and check out like the electricity or like the grid or something. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, 
uh, J- Jamie Foxx's character, or whatever uh, Max Dillon, he just like imagined imagined himself killing this dude, basically choking him out. I think was the was the thing, and then um, a second later, he just you know back to where he was in the position. Like you don't you can't tell it's a daydream <laughs> until like a few seconds after he starts choking this guy out. I think the issue with that. And the reason you don't realize it's a daydream is this character's been over the top the entire time exactly. that you expect him to do something like that. Because yeah. you don't get a good grasp of this character in the scenes you... If you would have cut out that it. apartment scene, it would have been easier to tell that that was a yeah. daydream. Also, Absolutely. I'd like to mention the fact that Electro references astrology in that scene. I don't know if you guys are listening to what he was yelling at BJ Novak's character. I, I'm going to get these signs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're a Sagittarius. He's a effing Leo, mother. And I'm like, what? Are you, are you serious right now? Like, oh, my God. I have a real-ass double take on that. <laughs> One of Jamie Foxx's only good scenes in this movie comes right after this terrible scene is when he's in the elevator with uh, Gwen, Gwen Stacy. Stacy. Yeah, yeah, that works. And that, that works. works. That works. And it helps set up the dynamic, I guess, between the three characters. I love how Gwen meets all those characters conveniently in an elevator. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, yeah. She does meet <laughs> Harry Osborne in the elevator later. Yeah. Although he followed her in there, technically speaking. Because he wanted Spider-Man's blood. Yeah, <laughs> my, my man's a vampire. In Speaking of the Osborns, oh, like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, jeez, <laughs> yeah, and is this, is this man a scientist? I mean, come on, you have to run so many tests on that blood that it probably won't help you by the time you actually figure something out. It'll help the next person with this disease, but it probably won't help you out. What next person? You think this man is pulling any women in <laughs> with that squatty looking ass? It might it's be just, a different. It's a disease. It might exist in other people. It's, it's not. It's he. It's called the Osborne curse, Ruben. Excuse me. Ha, uh, uh, retroviral <laughs> hyperplegia. I did some research. I looked it up, and oh Siri called God. me a effing idiot to my face. <laughs> 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 okay, so speaking of the Osborns and criminally underutilized actors, Chris Cooper as Norman Osborn. Yeah. Don't terrible He's in the sense that they should have used his man more. Chris Cooper is one is a talented, talented actor, and to have him just come in for this bit part is a disservice to his actor. Oh, it's great to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like everyone to know that Jacob is currently singing. The Tex Rixman song from the Muppets movie. Chris <laughs> Cooper was also in that and somehow better utilized. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I, I, now, that I, one is not a deep cut. We're going to call that a, a middle of the pool yeah, cut. This mid- That's a medium cut. You can survive that cut. You know what yeah, I mean? so, People have watched the Muppets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, you know, what else do we get here? Another Sony Vio! Let's go! Yes, another Sony bio. Um, then you get Electro transformation sequence after the underutilization of Chris Cooper. Um, you know, the eels give him powers. I don't get it. Uh, were these eels genetically modified? They never explained that aspect of it. Donovan, did you get anything from this? Were, was there something special about these eels? Oh, I think I, I, Ruben, I did get something from this. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I got freaking questions, man. Okay. <laughs> Why electric eels? What, 
Why? Why is this? The, why is this? Why? What is it with Oscorpion being like? We can use animals to to better better live in society. We got the spiders. We got the lizards. The eels. Have we not learned? Is this like? Is it just because Spider Man's Rogues Gallery is mostly animals that we have to start bringing in all this dumb shit? <laughs> also, as as we said in the cold open, electro dentistry. I think this is something we should look into. Okay, hundred percent. I think this is a viable thing. We should be looking into this. You know what I mean? And one more stupid thing about this scene before we move on: uh, Electro singing "Happy Birthday" to himself right before he falls into the eel tank. Oh, <laughs> when no. he's plugging in the cable. Talk about on the nose, my god! Yeah. It's uh, like someone saw Joel Schumacher's Batman movies and were like, you know, we need a villain just like this. <laughs> R.I.P. Joel. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, I cannot believe that guy's gone. All right. Yeah. So, also, Norman Osborn dies off screen. Um, you know, afterthought. You know, just like he was in the script. Um, I also, like, <laughs> I missed that. I'm sorry. That was a good joke for me. Um, <laughs> no, but <laughs> um, I love how in this in this scene where we hear by uh, about Osborn passing, we have. Uh, Peter, this is where he talks. He's like typing the James and whatnot. Okay, yeah. whatever. Um, mm. Peter showed no recognition of who Norman Osborn was in the first movie. And in this one, he looks up and he's like, oh, he's dead. Harry? Oh, my Harry. God. Can we talk about, can we talk about the mismanagement of the Peter and Harry relationship? What? what why? Okay, and this is another disservice to the actor because I think Dane DeHaan's actually a pretty good actor. He's not in this, much anymore. This man's career has been disservices since Chronicle. Watch Chronicle. Yeah. Go out and watch oh, Chronicle. Amazing, everyone. amazing. Please. That's what the producers of this movie probably did. That's how he got oh, this role probably because yeah. he plays an epic supervillain in that movie. Honestly, Harry yeah. in this series is so much worse than Raimi. I disagree. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> kidding me? Dane DeHaan is like at least a more tolerable, dramatic actor than James Franco. They, they do way too much in one the movie. They have like the whole arc of the of the Raimi movies in one movie. They try to do that all in one movie. That's not like the only thing they try to do all in one in this so one movie. They, they, listen, I think, again... Like what I said with Andrew for Spider-Man, but to a lesser degree, Dane would have been a great Harry Osborn if he would have been utilized properly. Why introduce this character in the second movie? Why bring in all this Osborn stuff in the second movie? Yeah. You have a built-in way of connecting all these characters. You have the high school. You why is why. Harry off in boarding school? You know why? Because these idiots wanted to remake the Raimi movie but make some changes so it's not the exact same movie. So what they came up with was taking out the Osborns completely oh, and then introducing in, the parents. Let's put in Peter's parents and take Harry out of the picture. This will this will win us an Oscar for sure. All right, and during this sequence where Harry and Peter meet, you also get your introduction to what I am calling nameless evil Republican capitalist Oscorp board leader. <laughs> I just called him Rick. That's a lot better. 
um, yeah, you don't get this guy's name, but he's like orchestrating most of the plot with the villain throughout this movie. Um, he is big business. <laughs> Fox News that. would hate this character. Yeah. <laughs> or they would love it because the character is looking after all of the stocks and all of the no, investors. No, they would definitely hate it the same way they hated the Lego movie because Lord Business was the, the main villain. They hated the Lego movie, actually? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah that's a real thing. We'll save it for the Lego movie episode. <laughs> I like that boardroom scene, though. I'm not going to lie to you. I like Dane in that in that scene. I like Dane DeHaan's performance there. Um, I like kind of like his command over that room. And like, it's like, oh, when I saw this movie as a, as a 14 year old, I'm like, okay, Dane, okay. He was great at Chronicle. This could be good. This could be good. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> All right. Felicity Jones is that what her name as, is? As as uh, Felicia. Yes, Felicia Hardy. Yeah. So she was eventually going to become Black Cat. And if you look at the Sony emails, they've been wanting to make a Silver and Black movie. So Silver Sable and Black Cat. So I think this was also introducing another character uh, that would have been used in the future. Like this, I said, this movie was doing way too much. Or you were saying that even, as well. I didn't even know BJ Novak was supposed to be a setup for something. That's crazy to me. But like, like what is what is Felicia doing in this movie? Like what other than being set up useless, all right? Useless. All right. So then you get Gwen and Peter's reunion. And once again, as we mentioned in the previous episode, Mark Webb leans into his strengths here as a romantic comedy director um, and really nails this Gwen and Peter dynamic. I don't know what your thoughts are on this scene. I, um, I really, again, like, I kind of, I can't, I can't, I can't really repeat everything I've said yeah, in the last yeah. episode because I'm about, about, about the same thing. Like, I it think it's better. I think it's better these two have been uh, at least outside of this movie's context in a relationship for longer uh, at this point. I know that they break up soon after this, though. Um, yeah. But, like, like that that bleeds into this. The chemistry is still there. I like that chemistry. I think that's a, a running theme in this movie is that a lot of these actors have really good chemistry with each other. It's not just Gwyneth. It's not just Emma and Andrew, we see it again with Andrew and Sally Field, and uh, right before this scene, I, I think at least with Andrew and Dane, like that one scene that they have together, like you're like, oh, a little inkling of what could have been actually well utilized in that first movie, and then they just never interact again. So mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, and then Electro has risen from the dead on the third hour. He had oh, he has risen from the oh. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and he heads to Times Square because this version of Electro needs to absorb power. Energy. Yeah, to be able to use electricity. Yeah. Um, and it's so weird, too, because he has, like, energy vision. Like, yes, he does. Yeah, he's, like, uh, like... He can literally see, like... He can see where the energy is. Where, like, the maximum, like, amount of amounts of energy are in the city. And, like, just, like, chase after that those points. Because like he looks at Times Square and there's like it's like a red blot compared to like everything else which is blue, which I assume is like, like lacking energy. And then red is just like with energy. He just walks right to Times Square. He knows exactly where the freaking like 
a power thing is. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah, the, pa- the power yeah, cable. power cables and sticks, <laughs> sticks his hands in there, bro. Imagine being the cop and walking up to this man who's just sticking his hands in the power cable. Like, I wouldn't even know what to say, bro. It almost feels like zombie-esque, like when a zombie's yeah. ripping apart a yeah. body. And yeah. everyone's like slowly looking at the zombie and no like, what was, the hell no is going was on? really like looking at him though. It's it's New York, bro. They were just walking. <laughs> well, past they, it, bro. they were ta- they were taking glances and then continuing a bond yeah, exactly. until the cop told them to get out of the way. Yeah. That is true, Jacob. That <laughs> is New York. That, that is, that is and they nailed New York. They nailed New York they in this movie. I agree that, with yeah. you guys there. Um, I like um after like we have spider-man's introduction of this scene max launches a car at a policeman and he's kind of like oh thank god you guys don't ride horses anymore i like that clip moving into this scene i love how spidey tries to reason with max at first like i like that i again they really nailed the friendly neighborhood spider-man like feel like i like that he doesn't immediately like see this blue sparkling dude it's like oh oh hands we are running fades. Like, he tries to reason with this guy at first. He he kind of halfway remembers him. Um, yes. Which, uh, I had a... This is this is where I, I guess the scene for me takes a turn. Because, like, I... It, he doesn't... It feels like Max, the reason that he would start to hate Spider-Man would maybe be that he's forgotten his name and he isn't, like, as street level as he thinks. But he seems really chill about him not remembering his name. What it is that makes him angry is the fact that he gets replaced on all the Jumbotrons okay, by Spider-Man. I will defend this. No, 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 no. Defend my ass, but go. Okay. Yeah. So Max is this individual who doesn't have any friends, uh, is completely isolated. Everyone at his job hates him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets all of this influx of attention when he's standing in Times Square. Uh, the news camera's recording him. He appears on all of the screens and it gives him what he's been longing for. Maybe he didn't realize what it was something he wanted, but he wanted that attention from people. He says, you see me. Yeah. Um, I, I like the you see me line. Yeah. I do like that. So, and then he realizes that Spider-Man forgot his name and then takes away all the attention everyone else was giving him. So he sees him as someone who's not out for his best interest. It's not the strongest. But I will say it is written in a way that makes sense. I, will I don't it. buy him hating Spider-Man that much yeah. because of that, though. Because for the his motivation for the rest of this movie is just That's like I'm gonna make this a world without light, a world without Spider-Man. It's like, yeah. dude, what, what you, what, dude? Do you have a do you have like a a, a disorder or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he probably did beforehand, but it could be that the electricity powers are also affecting him mentally. Almost yeah. all these Spider-Man villains, their powers really yeah. take a toll on their brains. A eventually. Speaking of which, oh, oh, oh. oh no! Oh. Go ahead. The soundtrack. The, the soundtrack of the scene. Oh, the scene! I, yeah, yeah. I want opinions because me. Let me just throw mine out yeah. there. I, <laughs> I think it's kind of dumb what is being said through the soundtrack, but I like this idea. And essentially, let me explain to the audience here what, what's happening. If you watch this movie, um, in this scene, we have kind of like Electro's motif, which we have been hearing since the beginning, kind of yeah. comes to fruition yeah. into this kind of like big, kind of almost dubstepy type moment, which is fine. But something that people talk about a lot 
uh, both mostly in the negative is that um, the soundtrack you kind of hear like whispers here and there. I believe it's Pharrell Williams who's doing that. Um, yeah, but kind of is. like you get like these little inklings, these little pieces of of like Max Dillon's thoughts yeah. in the soundtrack, and it really gets it comes to this head, and it's like you get this loud screaming at the end. And I don't know. I like the concept and the idea behind that. I am obviously a, a, a strong advocate of very closely tying the soundtrack with what's happening on the screen and soundtrack and film should be used together. And I think, I, I think what it might just be that in these, both of these movies, I'm just being starved of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm latching out to the moments where I'm like, ah, integration. I like that idea though. I like the idea of, of like you hearing the thoughts of like someone on screen through the soundtrack. Do I think it was executed well? Not really, no. but like no. I, 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 you know, like a daredevil, you get paid for the attempt. That's a Dave Chappelle joke. <laughs> I can't give him credit for the attempt because for me, it just takes you completely out of the scene. I feel like visually, already you're getting a pretty good indication of what's going on in Max's head because, as I said, Jamie Fox is a pretty good actor. So yeah. you, you can see the internal monologue like through his face and his actions. You did not need this music telling you a second time what's going on it gets redundant it's, it's too much yeah, noise um it's re it's redundant mm. now does it sound decent halfway decent yeah it sounds halfway decent because it's Hans Zimmer and the rest of the crew he brought in for this but I don't I don't think it it detracts from the scene if you're watching it, it in been, the context yeah I think it would have been cool is not having okay this is this is again experimental music break um but maybe not having the voice like say like be speaking in any like discernible language just have like a bunch of whispers or a bunch of mutterings that get like louder and angrier because yeah. then it's just a stylistic choice and it's not like very specifically influencing what's happening on screen i just like that idea of kind of like capturing someone's thought process within music that's a cool idea i just i think it was half-baked like many things in this movie all right so then there's some really good spider-man moments here the slow motion Spidey sense when he's saving the people going down the stairs. I think that stairs. was up the stairs. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Up the stairs, the Times Square stairs. That was really good. I don't understand yeah. how he knows that they're going to touch the railing. I still don't sense. get that. Spider, spider but sense. like, how does he sense what they're like? That doesn't make any sense. Just spider the, sense. Spider sense. No, he senses okay, what they're okay. okay. No, it's because it's because like Jake. I mean, we see this in every Spider-Man movie. Yeah, but I felt like Spider oh. Sense was just like for him, right? Or is it for everyone? Is it does it apply to everything? It, 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 it's like a hyper awareness to the world around him, essentially. So we mm -hmm. can clue what what we see in both like the the Raimi movies and in this and those slow mo scenes where it's like he's taking in all this information at once and looking at immediate danger coming to him. I am not a comic book expert. I peruse every once in a while, but I yeah. think it's kind of like one of those things where it's like he that awareness of things around him like allows him to also see like, oh, is someone else going to be in danger? What are potential threats? How do I protect people from that? Like, because like, for example, um, 
we get that spider sense sound whenever something's wrong's happening in the city, even if it's not a direct danger to Spider-Man. Like in this, like when Electro starts attacking, he has that moment where you have the little sound effect, and he looks at the city and it's like something's happening. In Avengers uh, Infinity War, Peter is literally just in a school bus. He's not in direct danger. The hairs stand up on his arm, and he's like, and he notices like the, the spaceship in the air. At least to me, that's what that kind of is. Um, and I mean, like, like semant semantics aside, this is a really cool moment. I'd say though, like I really like that moment. Um, and but, then uh, there's the moment where he pulls the cop away from the falling billboard with the one web shooter. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I really like that shot. Yeah, and then sure. you do get a more mixed moment. I thought it was pretty good, but the moment where he puts on the fire hat and shoots Electro with the water is so stupid. It seems like something out of a Spider-Man comic, though. I mean, that's fair, but there's literally a cop this man, this, that... This, this guy has so much time to, like, make little quips, like, like in battle. Like, I don't understand that, bro. Like, this man literally letting people get injured just to make a little joke. <laughs> that's issues with the writing in this movie. Okay, like, yeah, because uh... he feels less like Spider-Man in moments like these and more like Bugs Bunny. Like, yes. he's got, like, the ability to, like, warp time and space so that he has the time to logically do all of this. But, like, here's my thing. I'd be yep. fine with that. But moments before this, also, this moment, we got to talk about the crowds in this movie. Okay, let's just they get this out of the way, yeah. yeah. So the, Those the, people should have started running. Because Electro got powerful, he starts shooting at everyone, and that's when people start running. And, like, again, throughout the movie, you have moments like that. Ruben, I know that you have opinions on that well, last scene. Th this has been talked about to death, but yeah. I, people I have it. died because of this topic. Yeah, obviously. But <laughs> one, the police seem to be able to set up these barricades very, very quickly, mm -hmm. and then two, the people just seem to be watching like a fight, like a I don't know, like a boxing match is how they see it because they don't go away. They're like, we have to see how this ends, man. I bet two hundred dollars on Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love how there's a cop in this moment though that we're talking about with, with Spider-Man and the fire hat who's like does anyone have a visual on Spider-Man where's Spider-Man people are getting freaking shot with Dane out here and then like he's like hey good job Bob good job Johnny like I like how yeah, well, that's happening he took like 10 extra seconds to put on the fire yeah. hat and yeah. not only that but to learn the name of all those firemen because he said he congratulates each of each of them individually which I like in concept in practice though it means this man took the time to run up be like yo can I borrow a fire hat and then learn all their names real quick and then after electro had at least done third degree burns to people through electricity He's like, all right, now we can stop him. All right. And then so, Electro disappears. Yes. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the Times Square sequence? Nope. All right. All right. So, honestly, for this next chunk, the movie gets pretty slow. So, we're going to wrap it around until the third act of this thing, if that sounds good with you two. Oh, I'm okay with that because this is really where the movie falls apart. And, get, okay, so first off, you get the For You, Philip Phillips montage. I hate it. So Took good. me right out of the so movie. I hate Peter's parents. Listen, everybody, Mark, Mark Webb, hey, it's your buddy JQ. Uh, I know it probably wasn't your fault, but if you were the one who decided to put Peter's parents in these movies, uh, my address is uh, redacted because I can't say it on a podcast, but meet me, we are throwing hands. 
We are boxing. Mark straight boxing, my Mark, man. Five Hundred Days of Summer was a great movie. Don't listen to JQ. Mark, you, Mark, 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 Mark. I haven't him. seen Five Hundred Days of Stum- Summer, but I bet you Joseph Gordon-Levitt sucked. All right. All right. So I bet you. <laughs> what else? Um, Gwen gets into Oxford, so that's a storyline going out throughout the movie. Uh, Felicia Hardy causes Harry's downfall by telling him to look up the special projects. I think oh, she was bribed by evil CEO, capitalist Republican yeah, guy. who frames that guy. He frames him, dude. Yeah, like, man. We can use this to our advantage, guys. Yeah. We can... And then we get... <sighs> uh, all right. So and then, then moving get... on. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let me finish. All right. Let me finish. We get the scene. Where Harry goes full vampire. So we got the scene where Harry Osborne goes full vampire. And it's just like, Pete, I need Spider-Man's blood. Pete, I know you know Spider-Man. Because right here on this Daily Bugle paper I got right here. Right here, it says you took this picture. You must know spider Harry Osborne is the most immaculate detective in this movie for some reason. He just puts one and two together like it's nobody's business. Like, what the hell is this moment? Why, look, I don't understand why Peter is so reluctant to give him the blood. This man is desperate. He is dying. He is clearly going to do something foolish. Why not just be like, okay... Here's the blood. If it makes you so goddamn happy, test with it and see what happens. Like, he's like, I don't know what it'll do to you, Harry. Dude, what did it do to you? Do you just not want competition? Do you not want a second Spider-Man swinging around? Like, are you being an asshole? Like, what but, is wait, but wait, Peter actually gets Spider-Man to show up and goes to Harry and tells him <laughs> in person, hey, I can't give you my blood. As a, it's a dick move. I feel. What? What's a man have hope? bro. What are you talking about? Talking about, dude. That's nice. That's nice. And then we get one of the most. that spider, but he's like, "Hey, yo, I, I heard the news. I heard you're dying, but you know what? I can't give you my blood. At least he went there in person and told him, bro. That's like Captain America going to a Make a Wish kid and telling him he's gonna die in hey, two to hey, three months. Hey, bro. At least he went to visit. This is like the most asshole make-a-wish visit you can ever go for this man's life. <laughs> what do you want? Hey. Money? Women? What do you want? What do you want? I need that blood, Peter. I can't give you my blood. You have my oh. presence. That, isn't that <laughs> enough? Is that not enough? Is me being here not enough? Does that not make you happy? I'm, I'm, what? Come on. Come on, man. All right. You see me today, you see Jesus tomorrow. Is that not like exactly. a great deal? Like, my exactly, God. <laughs> then we get one of the favorite lines in the Kiros household that we quote all the time. You're a fraud, fraud Spider-Man! <laughs> amazing, amazing. Oh, uh, man. Which, I don't know. It, it always stuck out to us. Um, all right, what else do we have here? So Harry decides to go and break out Electro, and Harry had the moves when he was breaking out. 
Electro. What like, the hell, dude? What? He, he's a combat specialist now? Like, Where what? were those moves when he was my getting man, dragged out of Oscorp? All right? Where was that? I mean, my man freaking punches him in, like, the freaking liver. He, like, liver punches this dude and then, like, puts his hands behind his back and steals the taser and, and freaking shocks him? Like, what the hell is that, bro? Yep. So he breaks Electro out. like a black belt. His Electro was just in this tank for, like, 30 minutes of the movie. I... Here's the thing, guys. If you can believe it, Spider-Man, between the Electro scene and that scene where he shows up to talk to Harry, that's like a good 20, 30 minutes of the movie gone by. Spider-Man is absent. For a lot of this set, this like middle part of the movie, huh? Like oh, I didn't notice that, dude. It it's it's horrendous. All right, and then okay, this is a little nitpick for me because we're talking about Ravencroft now and breaking out. Yeah, I am so sick and tired of classical music being used for villains or to like romanticize it's like eccentric douchebags because there's like this scientist the scientist that's working on electro is just like listening i can't even remember what he was listening to he was listening to something like oh my beautiful creation we will have much fun together and then freaking beethoven going off in the background it's like i i don't know man i hate that I don't buy these two getting together either. All right. One final sidetrack rant before we get to the final act of this movie. Yeah. The train sequence. So Peter finds these coins, leads him to where his father was running experiments. He gets there. He plays the video. You find out that Peter's dad put his own DNA in these spiders, which I despise this choice. Mm. It takes away... From the essence of Spider-Man, which is that anyone can be Spider-Man. It just happened to be Peter Parker who got bitten by this radioactive spider. No, it, no. In this case, if this spider would have been anyone else, no one would have gotten powers. Peter only got powers because his daddy decided to put his own DNA in the spiders. By so it becomes like cosmic coincidence instead of randomness, which mm-hmm. takes away from some of the charm of Spider-Man. It takes away from just about all of the goddamn charm of Spider-Man. And all of the main message of Spider-Man is anyone could wear the mask. We've talked about this time and time again to the, the episodes of this podcast. This scene absolutely destroys that. It throws a wrench in it. This is why, fellow listeners, why I hate the Peter's parents plot so much. Peter, Peter's parents plot. Say that five times fast. Peter's, Peter's parents plot. Peter, 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 anyway, anyway, my point is, it, it's a complete derailing of everything that this character stands for, and I hate it. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's about all we can say about that moment. It's just too much is going on in this movie is a problem. We have Harry dying. We have Electro forming. Um, we have the freaking whatever Republican dude trying to take over Oscorp. We have Peter learning more about his parents. We have Spider-Man's blood. We have Gwen moving to Oxford. We have Aunt May training to be a nurse. We have the Green Goblin for some goddamn reason. We got retroviral hydroplegia. Like, what is, what, what is wrong with this movie? Why did it feel so insistent upon, like, crowding this much stuff in there? But, like... Oh my god, we just let's just let's, can 
we just finish this? Please? Yeah, let's let's move on. So here we go. You get to Electro and Harry breaking back into Oscorp, and we get to one of Jacob's um, unique favorite scenes here, where Electro stops the guy, the board man, evil CEO's heart, and then starts it again. <laughs> that dude, that's cold, man. <laughs> that is cold. Man. <laughs> it's just like. Hey, hey, yo, like, like, Harry's just, like, asking him to freaking incapacitate him, right? Well, this man stops his effing heart, dude, like, for a straight second, man. He's back, he's back, he resuscitates him, he's back. Harry starts whistling the goddamn Jeopardy theme. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so, Electro takes over the power grids. Which, wait, 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 again, wait. this should have been more of his motivation. Talk, talk about how it gets sucked into the outlet, though. Yeah, he becomes <laughs> he come, he becomes living electricity out of nowhere in this movie. Not oh, nowhere. No, I don't want to know why. It was under pressure, man. No, no, Ruben. Dude, it's under pressure, electricity flows. No, no, Electricity no, no, no. just flows take under a, pressure. Take a, get your about? physical science BS <laughs> out of here. You want to know what it really was? Harry said, I need you. And ja- and Jamie, I mean, Max, he was like, you need me. He felt needed. Ruben, wasn't that what you were talking about yeah, earlier? it was. He just wanted to be seen. He just needed to be needed. That's all he needed. That's why he's so strong. I hate his costume, by the way. I don't he like He gets it out of nowhere. It also thing. doesn't look good. It just has it's random cool. elect- like, it just has random lightning bolts over it. I, don't- I liked it a lot more as a kid. Looking at it again, I was like, oh, that's not. At first, I'm like, oh, maybe they got it out of special projects. But then I'm like, wait, they didn't have access to special projects until the next scene. So, wow, weird. So then you get Gwen Stacy in a taxi about to leave to Oxford. And what I called, uh, in reference to JQ, the return of the epic extras with this taxi driver. Yeah, Um, I do like him. He pales in comparison to anything, Grammy. But a joy. A joy to be sure. You get Gwen and Peter getting back together. Peter willing to go to London. Um, yeah. I really like this scene. Again, immediately when and Peter Jamie Foxx freaking just obliterating the power grid. Yes, dude, but the final fight. Can we talk about the fights? Though? Yes, we are getting to Jeez, it, man. man. Yeah, yeah. like come on, come on, come on, come on. So one final moment before <laughs> Jacob we get... is getting wait, J- just just as a reference, Jacob is getting actively bored and tired of this movie, which I cannot blame him for. This thing <laughs> is just horrendous, really. By this point in the movie, we've lost just about all emotional and kind of like mental connection there's just, to there's it. There's too much going well, on. We'll get a little nursery rhyme at the end, right? <laughs> <laughs> So yes. Mother Mother Goose. How much did yeah, how much you think they had to pay Mother Goose to get the rights to that man? Oh no, man. All the money. <laughs> all the money. That's what that's where the, the yeah, actually no, I can't say that because like the budget went into the effects. But I was about to say that's where, they, that's where the money went. Most of the money went to Mother Goose. But now <laughs> as opposed to Mary Jane in the Raimi trilogy, I like how Gwen was actually competent. So how she helped Peter magnetize the web shooters in over in order to actually be able to go up against Electro. I don't know. I like that she wasn't just a damsel in distress and this. I also yeah. love how she yells Peter as he's leaving. Yeah. I mean, just brilliant. Hilarious. I love I love that little dynamic. I love the joke with the with the policeman and the bullhorn where he's like Spider-Man and he freaking blows out <laughs> Peter's ears. That is literally again. Think about it this way, guys. Since the Electro scene, 
since the electro scene at Times Square. This is the first time, again, that Spider-Man is actively in New York doing Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, you're right. Although... This movie is atrocious. <laughs> it can work if the story's right. You know, there's yeah, the Dark Knight I, Rises, Spider-Man Iron Man 2, Iron, Iron Man, Man 3, 3, Spider-Man 2, which we already discussed in the podcast, also did the same yeah. thing. There's just it's no story it. reason for this. It just how they wrote it. So, oh, there's a story reason. There's too much going on, and they couldn't fit in more Spider-Man. Precisely. All right. So you get a really cool shot of Electro on a building. I really liked when Spider-Man's swinging through the city chasing Electro. Yeah. Just highlighted how great the visual effects are, as we talked earlier. Um, not much more to say about the visual effects. Just outstanding and better than most things. I love this final confrontation and the visual effects between Electro and Spider-Man. And I love how that tension between these two is never broken. There's not a single thing in this final sequence that breaks pacing and makes no sense. When there is not a single solitary thing in this movie. You know, Ruben, if I, come on, come on, Ruben. You know what I'm talking about, Ruben. When hitting Electro with the cop car, is that <laughs> it? No. No, 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 no what is it? Ruben, Ruben, Ruben. No, I don't know. Audience, get really close. Get really close to the speaker. I'm not going to scream. I promise. No, no, I promise. Come on. A little closer. A little closer. Come on, just a little closer. The goddamn MFing planes, Ruben. Oh, my God. The talking planes, about Ruben. <laughs> All right. So, in most stories, you have a ticking clock, you know, in order to raise the stakes of the final confrontation. In The Dark Knight Rises, you have an atomic bomb. In The Dark Knight, you have the two fairies about to blow each other up. I, I don't know why I'm just using Batman movies here. Um, in Spider-Verse, in Spider-Verse, talking about a movie that we mentioned earlier, the ticking clock is that the open uh, portal is tearing apart Miles' New York City. So you get, and you show his parents there. The issue with here in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is you get these two planes, and these two planes, you know, I guess because Ele Electro's knocked out the power to the city at this point, and these two planes, man, there's no one important in these two planes, and you just keep cutting to these planes during this fight, and you're like, oh my god, the planes are five minutes from crashing into each other, and I'm like, why should I care about these two planes crashing into each other? Mm -hmm. I don't get it, man. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most pe most movies have a ticking clock. This this one's more of a, a slippy cock. You know what I'm talking about, bro? <laughs> it's not good. All right, I'm not gonna use my best material on the end of Amazing Spider-Man Two. All right. Okay. Look, forget this. Electro gets defeated. Cool well, moment. Well, Peter and Gwen working together. You know. Yeah. Speaking of the planes, I think one thing that could have worked better here is if it was built around Aunt May in the hospital and stuff going wrong in the hospital. Then you get a ticking clock the audience would care about. Rather that than would have been amazing. And it would have paid off Sally Field's entire incorporation in this movie. But no. But no. All right. And then a couple other things I liked here. I like the line after Electro pummels Spider-Man. He's like, shake it off. It's just your bones, your muscles, and your organs. I, I, mean, forgot, just, 
I wrote that down. Quintessential Peter Parker. Yeah. And it actually I, works because no one's in danger in this scene and he's not preventing that anyone that from was, being rescued. That was the quip that worked the best for me. I have to admit, yeah, I wrote that down. I forgot to mention it. Thanks for this. And no, then you get itsy bitsy spider played on the on the grid, which I'm like, eh, not terrible, but it's all right. It's like Jacob and I. Jacob again, Mother Goose. How much I gotta pay Mother Goose for that? You gotta pay a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so they defeat Electro. They kill Electro. R.I.P. Jamie. Um, and then we get Green Goblin. And then the movie ends. You wait, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Then you get then you get Green Goblin shoehorned into this goddamn thing, and you do the death of Gwen Stacy storyline. The fight between Spider-Man and Green Goblin, pretty good. As all the visual effects in this movie, it looks really great. But then you get the death of Gwen Stacy. Again, great scene. It shifts into Spider-Man's spidey sense that they've set up in the movie where everything slows down. And he's been able to save people in the past with the spidey sense. So as the audience, you're thinking, oh, he's going to do it again. Because he's done it on the stairs of Times Square with the bus at the beginning of the movie. But here, he's unable to save Gwen. Andrew's acting when Gwen Stacy dies, phenomenal. And it just highlights how he's the best actor to play Spider-Man, as Jonathan mentioned on the last episode. Yes. Now, what I did say earlier in this episode is that there are several scenes in this movie which are fantastic on their own. Yeah. Yeah, but in context are god awful. This is the quintessential. I don't care how good Gwen's death is. I don't care how great the acting is. I don't care how everything comes together so well. It doesn't fit in this movie. It doesn't belong in this movie. It does not work. All right. And this entire plot line is rushed. All right. So then you get Gwen's funeral. And then right after that, you cut to a Sinister Six setup. With the dumb guy in the hat from the last movie, Mr. Fierce. Um, and All then, right, whoever that man is, he's dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, once again, right before the dumbness, you get Aunt May and Peter having a great scene together where she tries to encourage him to let go. You see Gwen's graduation speech. I think all of this emotional stuff works. I just don't think it would have worked. I don't think it works with this current story that they were telling. They should not have resolved this in five minutes. But the scenes work on their own. Again, a bunch of scenes that work on their own and not in context. And then all the emotional weight of this movie is destroyed by the fact that Spider-Man comes back anyway at the end. Like, and you have the, the Pablo G is back though. Pablo G is back. God awful moments. This I don't. I want to be Ruben. I'm gonna be real with you. I want to be done talking about this movie yeah. at this point. So, it is god awful. So yeah. So I I think the Rhino scene at the end, the final shot with him going at him with the sewer grate. Spoiling the trailer. Really cool though. Cool. Jacob and I loved it, right, Jacob? Yes, yes bro. Yes. Yeah. All right, gents. Um, Jacob has to skedaddle out of here a little bit early, so we're going to give our final scores for this movie. Um, well, I'll, I'll give this movie a 10 out of 10. 
Best movie of all time. Best movie. No, I'm kidding. No, real rating, three, three out of ten. The four out of ten, maybe. Ah, generous. I actually enjoyed, like, actions and stuff like that. The, the action was great. You know, I think um, story was all over the place. Harry's character could have been omitted from this movie entirely, honestly. Uh, I think that Goblin, him turning into Goblin at the very end was unnecessary. They should have waited for for the another movie to do that. Uh, it should have just been Electro as the villain in this. And that's my take. Gwen Stacy also should have, maybe, maybe, or maybe not. I don't think she should have died in this movie. She maybe should not have died. At the end of the trilogy, at the end of the trilogy, I feel like it would have been more impactful. So that's my take on all that. And yeah, this is all done too quick. Uh, and it's just done to subverse, uh, like the public's, uh, like I guess what they expected, and I don't think it works. So, yeah. All right, I am gonna go with. Oh, this is tough because there's stuff I actually enjoy in this movie a bit. Four and a half to five is what I give this thing. I look. I don't think it's a good movie, but I think enough pieces exist in it where I had a good time watching it. Um, the action's pretty good. I had fun. I laughed. Is it a good movie? Not at all. I have major problems with it. But yeah, that's what I would give it. JQ. Two out of ten. Any explanation? Two out of ten. Explanation, I'll tell you why. Because I <laughs> don't be no okay not the only reason that's a wrap Jacob Jacob summarizes I don't have to elaborate I don't have to elaborate I choose not to elaborate no here's the thing there are a lot of good things going for this movie a lot of great kind of concepts that we have a lot of great thematic things that are really working but the problem is they're all dropped stupidly. For the dumbest possible reason. At every turn of this movie, there's a bad decision being made. There's an underutilization of characters. There's an underutilization of plot lines. There's a disregard of how movies, like a story structure works. Like, I can't, even though there are a lot of things I liked in this movie, I cannot ignore the fact that as a whole product, it is gone awful. It's atrocious. It's a product of studio interference. And it's not getting higher than a two for me. All right, and that'll do it for our review of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, as we alluded earlier in this podcast, Jonathan had some ideas about how The Amazing Spider-Man movies could be rewritten a little bit better. So right before our next uh, Spider-Man rewatch episode, we will be uploading an episode that discusses potential changes that could have made these Amazing Spider-Man movies better. But until then, this is Ruben Kiros, and on behalf of Jonathan and Jacob Kiros, hasta luego, as my people would say. Yeah.